All right, welcome everybody. BC here, another episode of Supreme Being. I have a esteemed guest here, Casanova, which I'll pass the mic to him here in a second. I did a podcast with him recently. It was really cool. Very genuine guy. And you guys know that whenever I meet somebody who I believe to be very, very honest and a straight shooter, I got to bring them on. So Casanova, my friend, welcome to the show. Man, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited for this conversation as well. Just like you said, you came onto my podcast, dropped a ton of insight, wisdom, and value. So I'm only hoping that I can deliver half of that back to your audience. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. You know, one thing that really uh, grabbed my attention was your story, bro. Like when you talked about Chicago and growing up, could you go into that a little bit? Because, you know, I got a lot from that. Just that little bit before we even got into the meat and bones of, and that was off. We did that off camera, right? right. That wasn't even recorded. That was just our personal conversation. So I'd love for everybody to hear that, man, because that was pretty uh, captivating, I must say. Yeah, man. So when people ask me like who I am, I always say at my heart, at my core, I'm just a relationship builder. But for anybody that wants to know a little bit more about my backstory, I'm originally born and raised south side of Chicago. I was raised by a single mom. My dad was never in my life. Last I knew, I had 13 brothers and sisters on my dad's side, but I'm the only child on my mom's side. So, and my dad never did anything to bridge those gaps or bridge the relationships with us. So essentially I'm an only child. Um, I was fortunate enough though, that my grandmother decided she was gonna step into my life and become basically that father figure. So she was always the disciplinarian and, and she always made sure that I had the right head on my shoulders if doing everything that she could. Now with that being said, for me, like my parents, my family, they never owned a house, car, business, nothing. So financial literacy, none of that was ever there. We grew up in apartments. And, and I'll be honest and say that um, I didn't know that I was living up basically poor and poverty because my mom was always doing whatever she could for, to rob Peter to pay Paul. Right. And so for me, I always had love. I always had support. My parents would always try to tell me like I could do anything that I wanted to do. My biggest problem or struggle was I never saw anybody that was doing anything that I wanted to do. Right. So for me, I mean, that really sounds good when people are like, oh, man, Casanova, you could be anything you want to be. Well, I'm like, well, yeah, but one, what is there to be? And two, how do I become that? And so for me, I, was, I would always say that I was a curious guy, right? I was a curious boy. I was trying everything. I had nobody to give me the rope, so I had to figure it out kind of on my own. And I uh, had many jobs early on, right? My first ever job was uh, I started pumping gas at a gas station. I was like eight years old. And the reason being is because me and my buddy, we just wanted to make a little bit of extra money. So what I would do is I would go to the gas station, and then you would go inside. And this was before everybody was swiping cards at the, at the pump. So you would go inside, and you pay. You come back out because you prepaid. And then I'd be like, hey, mister, you mind if I pump your gas? And you're like, uh, no, I mean, I guess that's fine. So I pump your gas in hopes, just like serving, that at the end of the day, I could get a tip, right? And some people would give you a couple of dollars. Some people give you $5. I remember it was like one day I walked out of there with like 50 bucks. Now I did it for like four or five hours, but 50 bucks is like an eight-year-old kid when things are still quarter candies. I yeah. felt like I was rich at that time. So it was kind of from there understanding that I could create whatever I wanted to, as long as I did it with integrity and stuff like that. And, and so it was, I think the biggest plight though, was I was still in inner city Chicago. So what did that yeah. mean? I had drugs, gangs, violence all around me on my street, especially if you've ever been to Chicago or anybody listening to this, I grew up on South Shore Drive. So it's heavy, heavy drugs, gangs, violence everything. And so that was a big thing for me. Well, my grandma, she made the decision at the age of 13, when I was 13, that she was going to move me out of Sioux City, or I'm sorry, out of Chicago to Sioux City, Iowa. And so my mom didn't really have a choice, but I moved to Sioux City. 
Um, and I was at 13. Two years later, I was diagnosed with stage four lymphoma cancer. So I went through everything that basically anyone else does when it comes to the C word. I had a port in my chest connected to my jugular and uh, bone marrow. I did everything and I was in chemo for two years. Thankfully, I've been in remission ever since. So that was another storm that I went through. And then um, six years ago, I went through another storm. I'm definitely no stranger to storms, but six years ago, I probably went through the biggest storm that I've had where I just got my real estate license and about four months prior and my mom and grandma call me up and they say, Hey, you know what? We want to move to Omaha, which is where we currently are now, Warren Buffett country. And uh, they say, Hey, we want to move down to Omaha and be closer to you, Julie and CJ, my wife and son. And I say, all right, cool. Well, within about two and a half weeks, we moved my mom and grandma down here. Within 24 hours of moving them down here, my mom winds up going to the hospital here in Omaha. And then within one week's time, I lose my mom at that hospital. Now, just because of where my transitions were in life at this time, like going from inside sales to outside sales so I could work on my real estate business and, and start to do that. And also my wife and I put in our first house under contract, I wound up losing both of those because of losing my mom. Mm. So all within a matter of two and a half weeks, I lose my mom, my job, and my home. Keep in mind, I'm in a brand new city, brand new state, no family, no friends, no church group. I'm like, shit, what am I going to do now? No degree. And uh, fast forward within the next nine months, I did 46 deals, $8 million in volume here in Omaha. And uh, I got the rookie of the year in Nebraska. And that's kind of where my real estate trajectory took off. And and yeah, it's been a lot in between there, but that's a, a quick, brief synopsis of, of my journey. Yeah, that's crazy, man. And you know, one thing I wanted to highlight and ask you is, uh, you know, around high school is when you were dealing with the lymphoma, right? The stage four. Right. How was right. that, man? Because that's like a tender age when you're coming into your manhood, you can say. And I mean, I'm sure you missed a ton of school and you probably felt really disconnected from everybody. How was that for you, like mentally and psychologically back then going through that? Yeah. So I'll be honest and, and say it was very, very tough. And the reason why I say that is because for me, I was, I, I never had a problem with being extroverted and building relationships. Right. So I was pretty popular. I'm playing multiple sports. I'm in dance squad. Things are going well. And I'm looked at in my mind, at least as a victor, right. Things are going well for me. And then all of a sudden you talk about, I go to being a victim essentially overnight. Mm -hmm. Right. So word got out after because I was never, ever sick as a child. I never had the chicken pox, measles, flu. I never had nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden I'm finding I just quit. This was at the end of my freshman year. Um, actually, I take that back. This is the beginning of my sophomore year. Um, time's flying. So this is the beginning of my sophomore year and football season's going on. Now I decided to leave football early. I just got tired of like, and I was always playing and things like that, but I got tired of putting on a helmet. It's hot. You know, in August, they got you doing bear crawls, all that. I'm like, <laughs> yo, this, I'm not going to the NFL anyway. Like I'm done with this. Yeah. So anyway, I leave and I'm preparing for basketball season. Well, since I had a couple months off, um, going into basketball season, we start conditioning and then all of a sudden just one day in the hallway I remember finding a hard time breathing and I remember telling my buddy like yo like I can't really breathe and he's like oh it's probably because you left football early we're conditioning now for basketball that's probably what it is I'm like ah oh, you know what you're right and then all of a sudden I start taking a lot of naps and then my mom you know right when I come home from school my mom's like hey what's up with you like this is unlike you why are you not I'm like I don't know I'm just really tired so to go from essentially overnight to then you not being able to breathe and then going to the hospital and they're telling you, you know, you're two weeks away from death. 
Like, and then they instantly shipped me. Like I went into the hospital. I remember at about 4 PM, it was after school, right? We go to the emergency room. They, they're about to now do some tests and all this other stuff. I remember that they came in at about like seven or eight o'clock and they're like, yo, we think we're going to keep him overnight. Now I didn't have a problem with this. Cause in my mindset, I'm thinking sponge baths, hot nurses, video games, ice cream. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be great. Like, cause I didn't, I didn't really know. And then all of a sudden by around 11 o'clock, they're like, Hey, you know what? We actually got um, to public transportation coming and we're going to send them to the university of Iowa. And I just, my mom, I just remember my mom and grandma being like, what, what do you mean? Like, why? Da, da, da. They're like, we think it might be more serious. And they're like, well, what do you mean more serious? And they're like, we think you might have cancer. And I just remember my grandma's like, Whoa. And then instantly, to more directly answer your question, instantly, it was like the city found out about it, right? The whole, and, and Sioux City was like a town of like 80, 85,000 people. So it wasn't that big. So it felt like instantly overnight, like I was getting a lot of calls. I was getting a lot of messages that were going to my mom and being like, hey, like, is Cass okay? And then I had to do 45 days at the University of Iowa before I got to come back home to Sioux City, which is on the other side of the state. And then once I got home, walking through like school, it just, it felt like all the eyes were on you. Yeah. Right. And then on top of that, I think the biggest thing was when you go through high school and you're trying to figure out, just like you said, who you are anyway, but kids can be cruel. Right. And so I remember, I mean, I had this port in my chest, so obviously I couldn't play contact sports. Right. Because if you got hit the wrong way, it could kill you. So yeah. I remember like buddies of mine, like, yo, you better shut up for I knock your port out your chest. Just jokes that that yeah. could be very hurtful. So I think from there you had to develop a rhino, a thick skin. Yeah. Right. And you had to. And, and on top of that, you know, you never wanted people to be like, oh, Cass, are you, are you sure you can do that? Are you sure? And then you start like, no, like I'm still human. I'm still here. Yeah. Like I'm getting better. And so I think yeah. that that was what it was. It became um, two sided. One, I had to develop thick skin, but two, I had to really um, develop a sense of, of what's the word that I want to say of vulnerability to the point that I didn't shield everyone off yeah. thinking that like no one could help me. You know what I'm saying? Cause sometimes you develop that callous and you're like, don't touch me. Like, don't do this. Right. Yeah. Where some people, they genuinely want to help you. Yeah. Right. And I wasn't to the point where I was in like a wheelchair or anything, mm -hmm. but still understanding that you can open up a little bit and you can allow people to come into your life and, and yeah. kind of see if they can help you. So I think that it gave me a sense of both sides of the world. Yeah. And I'm sure for you, like moving forward, building relationships, which you already, it sounds like you were good at, but more importantly, working in real estate, man. And that is a very intimate piece of somebody's life, right? They're starting a new chapter, like buying a home, selling a home. Most people um, aren't going to be doing that multiple times. So you're going right. to be their agent for that one point in their life. I'm sure you drew a lot from that and learned a lot from that to help you in those situations because I hear this so much, dude, then I'll pass the question uh, to you. A lot of uh, people, especially in our industry or any sales industry, they feel like sometimes the people who sell lack that human element, right? And right. how beneficial has that been for you, bro? Because I know it's tremendous and it's something like I tell people, hey, you can learn it, but you said it, you have to be able to let people in, right? And right. you have to kind of take that shield away. And a lot, of, a lot of people never figure it out. So one thing I find in common with people who have been through trauma in their life, especially on a personal level, is that kind of has been developed already. You know what I mean? So now when we step into this, it's there. So I guess for anybody listening who maybe hasn't gone through that, is there anything you can give them to help them tap into that? Because I think that's key, man. 
Yeah, I think at the end of the day, people love authenticity and people love vulnerability. For a lot of the times, we are afraid to ask for help, but we love it when other people ask us for help, right? Have you thought about that? When someone asks you for help, you're so quick, especially whether it's a stranger, right, saying, hey, do you mind opening the door for me or whatever it is, we love to help other people, but we always want to be looked at as the victor, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we don't want to ask other people for help. So for me, I think I just tried, and it's been tough, I'll be honest. It takes a long time, it takes a lot of practice, but I've tried to figure out how I could be more vulnerable. Because when you are vulnerable, that allows for you to basically say, listen, I have wounds, right? But I'm trying to heal those wounds. And other people, regardless that it looks like the world is all bad, I do not believe that the world is all bad. And certain people, they don't want to throw salt on your wounds, right? Most people do not. And so what that means is even at these times, like prime example, when I first got into real estate and I lost my mom, my job, my home, and now I had to go in there, keep in mind that I was living and you could go back and look on my Facebook or anything if somebody wants to see it, but I was living in my wife's uh, second aunt's basement in my first year while I'm selling homes, right? So, and, and what I mean by that, there's one bedroom, it was a ranch house. There was one bedroom in the basement. We gave the bedroom to CJ, my son, and we put all of our stuff in the furnished utility room. So we had our bed and we had our TV in there. So people not knowing that like, I'm going to help somebody purchase a $200,000, $250,000 house, right? Just a nice house for their family, not knowing that I'm going home to sleep next to a furnace and a water heater. Yeah which is crazy, right? Yeah. But, it was, but it was the thought that like, listen, one, I'm going to serve someone else, right? Yeah. Because my situation right now is not my final destination, yeah. right? This is not, and, and that was what I kind of thought. Like I used that as, as energy to fuel me. I didn't become a hater. I didn't yeah. say, oh man, like you guys are buying this. You think you better than me. Like none of that. I just looked at it and was just like, my time's going to come, right? And I will be okay in the end. And I think that's the mindset that I've always tried to keep is like, my time's going to come. And I think that that's helped to serve me very well because for a lot of people, they did hear about the fact that I lost my mom, my job, my home. Now, if this was a Zillow lead, maybe not, right? Like if this was somebody that I randomly met, but if this was somebody that I had met previously and they followed me on social media, things like that, they got to experience my journey because it became out there when everybody's writing on my wall saying like, hey, you know, so sorry to hear about your mom or whatever else that they might've said. So I think that that bone vulnerability allowed me to look more human, not to look yeah. like I had it all, but it allowed other people yeah. to really try to say, hey, Casanova, we still love the positive energy that it yeah. seems like you're bringing to your day every day. Yeah. And people like to do business with people who have vibrant, positive energy. And at the yeah. same time, that are authentic. That doesn't mean that you got to come rah-rah every time or have this type of an energy. Yeah. But what it means is that you just have to be you. And I think that that's what allowed me to, to really take off with it. Yeah, man. I love that, dude. And, and I'm glad you brought that up there at the end because a lot of people think that vibrance is that extra over the top, like infomercial type voice and energy we're used to hearing growing up because I used to see it too. Right. And I'd stay up too late and I'd sneak onto the TV. <laughs> hey, you know, the OxyClean, 50% right. off if you buy right now. And they think we have to play that role. So right. you know, I think the cool thing about that is, you know, you brought up some good points, bro, because you said be you. And I think a lot of people will look at you because I know you have a huge following as well. And they'll be like, well, I, I got to be like Cass or I got to be like Brian. And they, and they have a little bit of an issue coming into their own. So they think they need to emulate you exactly to the T or me. 
you know? Right. So it's cool to be able to see different people. And that's one of the, the main things I've been pushing is look, you know, when you look at Casanova or me or anybody else that you guys watch, look, not so much from the sense of you need to emulate, but look how we're doing us. Right. And it becomes easier for you to look in the mirror and say, okay, I can do me. Cause it's almost like a, I don't know if you remember in coach Carter at the end when the most troublesome kid uh, stands up and he starts saying that quote uh, to yeah, Samuel yeah. Jackson. He's like, our uh, biggest you know, fear. Our, yeah, there we go. That's yeah. a key moment that I tell a lot of people to watch if they haven't seen the movie, because you know, he talks about the, the fear, right? And then when we right. become that light, we unconsciously give other people the strength, man. So, you know, thank you for sharing that dude, because even what you shared today, a lot of people would be afraid to share on a podcast, you know? Yeah. No, and absolutely. And, and that's the whole reason why I have my podcast as well is because I know that there is always fears, right? Everyone has fears, no matter who you are. And when I, when I have my podcast, I always ask people like, do they still suffer from imposter syndrome? Do they still, you know, feel like that they don't have it all made up or whatever it might be? And re the reality of it is, is people do all day, right? How they develop their confidence is by doing the work every single day because no one is born great at anything, right? We're just untrained. And it's dope to even see you that's doing the work because when we're watching you do jujitsu or boxing or whatever else, that's every day training yourself, training your mindset, training, I got one more punch in me. Right. And, and things like that. So I think for a lot of people understanding that the number one thing that I even told my wife this, and I believe this with my heart is like, your story is not for you. Right. Your story is not for you. So what do I mean by that? Understand that at the end of the day, you don't have to impact everyone, but you will just by sharing your story, impact someone. Right. And so take that back and it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Think about Oprah's grandmother. Oprah's grandmother did not impact everyone, but she impacted one person, and that was Oprah, who then took it and ran with it, and now look at what she's built and all of the thousands and hundreds of thousands of lives that she's helped to impact. But her grandmother didn't set out by saying, look, I got to impact the world. So regardless of where you are right now, if you are, let's say you're only on a scale of one to 10, you feel like I'm only a three, right? Then here's what I would tell you. Stop thinking about all of the four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, and start thinking about the zero, the one, and the twos, right? Because those are the people who are just a step behind you that still want to know that it's possible and that you can you can achieve from going from zero to three and still feel like, Hey, I've accomplished something. Yeah. Love that, man. I think this is a good place to, to pause. I'm definitely going to have you on for episode two, man. For yeah, sure. Absolutely. If, absolutely, bro. Is there anything right now you want to uh, promote your Instagram or anything you're doing soon, maybe even locally that you want to shout out to the audience real quick before we end? No, man. So uh, for me, everything is about the podcast. It's Dream Nation Media, right? So um, for me, I believe that everything starts with the dream. And those of us who dare to dream while the rest of the world settles for what society will tell us or deem as our reality, we're the ones who stand to be trailblazers, change makers, and ultimately make this world a better place. So for me, everything is, is about Dream Nation. I believe everyone has a dream. And my goal is to hopefully empower people to go after that dream. Love it, man. Well, thanks for coming on, Cass. Really appreciate it. And we'll definitely see you on episode two. Sounds good, my brother.